All right, Second Peter uh, chapter 3, in which Peter is mentioning the coming of the day of the Lord, verse 12, and both the heavens and the earth is going to be consumed in some divine, fiery holocaust. It says that the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt. But, verse 13, uh, and this is typical of God, God doesn't just destroy. He's not a destroyer. He removes or transforms things. So he's, there's not just going to be a time of complete con- consummation of all things, but, verse 13, according to his promise, we're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. So a new heavens and a new earth is coming. In fact, uh, part of the reason for the resurrection is that you need a new body uh, that is compatible with the new age to come. Uh, One that fits the new heavens and the new earth. And so that will be in the resurrection. It's the age to come. God has promised it, and it will be preceded immediately by a complete dissolution of the present heavens the earth, sun, moon, stars as we know it, and the earth itself. And all the works, everything will be burned, buildings, um, uh, monuments, um, everything. Now this isn't the only time that the Bible speaks of this new heavens and the new earth uh, or the age to come. Hebrews 6, 5 says that you have occasionally tasted the word of God and the powers of that age to come. If you've ever been in a powerful worship service and where, man, God just comes down and touches hearts and and you have sensed something of the eternality of things, the age to come has sort of uh, crept in right there, busted in right there. And our life is very brief in comparison comparison to this. James 4.13, he says, uh, don't say tomorrow I'm going to go to this or that city and I'm going to take a whole year, build a business and make a lot of money. James says, James 4.14, don't, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Your life is like a mist that disappears when the sun comes out. How brief is life? How unpredictable are things? Your life, and some have compared it to a dot uh, in comparison to eternity. Uh, A line that just stretches on and on. A a pencil uh, eraser compared to a highway that goes all the way to Texas and further. So uh, that's, that's how some have compared our brief little visit to this earth, uh, we call it 70 years, but what is 70 years compared to 70 billion years or trillion years? The unceasing, unending. 
I'm going to be talking more about that in weeks to come on what are we going to do? Wouldn't that be, how's that not going to get boring? <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about that in, in uh, some weeks to come. But, but think about the, the contrast. Uh, give me that next one up, the dot and the line. Um, and here's a verse, Matthew six twenty six. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose, loses his own soul? What is your soul worth in comparison to and what is equal? Because it's eternal. What do you have that is as eternal as you are and your soul is? So this is the idea that Peter is putting forth here. That is that there are some things that are worth investment, time, energy, money, and suffering. Some things are worth our inconvenience. And some are not. People are definitely one of them. Souls, including our own. Uh, I'm, I think I mentioned last week to you about the church, our mother church on, on Bristol Road, that, and we've been putting some more time in it, bring, trying to bring renewal there and and some some growth efforts there. And uh, we had new people this morning, praise God. And uh, uh, we and their dinner next Sunday, so we're doing an outreach effort this week. But I was just thinking a couple of weeks ago, and then again this week we had our, our denominational, a big denominational meeting here in the Genesee County, that I came here 30 years ago. Um, but I was only 10, let me add that, uh, when I began to pastor here. <laughs> um, I always cough when I lie. <laughs> um, but, but when I came here, we had Bristol Road, and it was literally falling in. We, we would have uh, the sermon, and the ceiling would fall on people during the sermon. <laughs> I mean, if somebody said, well, you know, if I go to church, the ceiling will fall in. Well, it literally would <laughs> for some people. And the water, we would have, the water would be so bad, it would leak so bad that the, uh, and the church, if you've ever been over there, the church leans forward. It kind of tilts forward. There would be so much water at the altar it would literally be ankle deep. I'd have to wade through the Red Sea to get to the pulpit. And, and I, I, I believe it was 37 people that voted me in. And um, it was so bad financially. <clears throat> the parking lot was about gone. It's one, it was so bad we had to mow it. And the guys would get together at the end of the month. This is what we have a, a deacon that's about 80 years old. He was telling me this. He said, we, the finances were so bad. And we had a mortgage. And we would put the bills in a hat. And we'd get the men, three or four men. And at the end of the month, 
you'd reach in the hat and pull out a bill. And uh, if you got the snow removal, you know, that ain't bad. I can do that. But if you pulled out the mortgage, (laughs) then that's the sovereignty of God. (laughs) But that's how bad it was. And so they called me as pastor, and they told me nothing about those kinds of things. Just come. It's wonderful here in Flint, Michigan. You'll love our church. However, but in, we've averaged over 20, maybe 25 baptisms per year for 30 years. So you add up 20 to 25 baptisms for, per year for 30 years, that's seven or 800 baptisms. Now that's not Billy Graham Crusades, and that we're not setting the woods on fire. I understand that. It's not Pentecost all over again. But think about over time. And I got a phone call this week from a young man. He's from our church. He's now in California. He's, go, he's studying. He's going to be a, a pastor. He's getting married. He wants me to fly to California and do his ceremony. Not going to happen, but, you know... Um, But I got to thinking and trying to count some time ago about how many young people have come out of New Haven over the past 30 years into ministry, church staff, church youth directors, music directors. This congregation has come out of Bristol Road. Those men, when they were pulling out of that hat, either snow plow bill or light bill or so. they didn't know all that they were pulling out of there they didn't know what they were paying for there are things however and to this day we will, we should be grateful for the men for the three or four men who said i will sacrifice because this future is worth my investment. My question now is, and here's, here's the question I want to put before you. What is worth our investment? And I'm not just talking about money. This is not a message on money, primarily. It's about our time and our energies and what endures to eternity. What are you going to do that matters Not a week from now, but what's going to matter a hundred years from now? That's the issue that I want to put. Peter says a lot is going to be burned up, but there are souls, there's an eternity, there's a line and not just a dot. And it is that line that we are to live for. Now, how can we make sure we live for the line and not the dot? Invest in eternity. There is a a parable. I want to read this parable. This comes from the Gospel of Luke and chapter 12. I just read a little bit of it here, but this is a powerful story told by Jesus about a man who had a really good year 
Luke 12, uh, verse 15, he said, uh, Be on guard against all kinds of covetousness, for your life is not defined by the abundance of the things you possess. And he told them a parable, Luke 12, 16. There was a rich man whose land produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. It was, he had so much, the harvest was so great, he had nowhere to put everything. He had so much money, one bank wouldn't be enough. So he says, I will do this, verse 18, I will tear down my barns and build larger barns, and I will store all my grain and goods, and I will say to my soul, So you have ample goods now laid up for many years, so relax, eat and drink, and be happy. Here, here's the thing. This guy, he's done well. And most people would say, wow, you need to do a seminar on how to prosper. You, wh- how did you manipulate the stock market? Or what did you do with, with market funds? And how did you predict the economic ups and downs? Here, here's a guy who got it together. In the world's eyes, in his eyes, he had it made. But what did God say about him? Here's what God says. Verse 20. You fool. Now, that's a bit of a shocker. And why is he such a fool? He said, this night you're going to die. And then, what are you going to do with all this stuff? You can't take that up there to heaven. When you stand before God, what is that to God? It means nothing. He says, you are rich here, but you are not rich toward God. So this is vital. Living for the, he lived for the dot and not the line. So that's what I want us to look at. How can we live for the line, not the dot? And I want to give you four things that will help us to make sure we put our heart, our minds, our bodies, our monies, our time, our energy, and our resources into that which, is, which endures and is not just immediate. So here's four things we can do that will help, I think. One thing we can do is we can ponder the direction of our life. We can ponder. I like the word ponder. To meditate, to think about, is this working or not? Now sometimes God will create a disturbance, so we will ponder. But one of the things that we can do is ponder evaluate our life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon did this. Um, He turned from God toward the end of his life, but I think Ecclesiastes shows how he came back to God before he died. He said, I searched, this is Ecclesiastes 2 verse 3, he said, I searched from my heart to see how I could make myself happy with wine. That's Ecclesiastes 2, verse 3. In verse 4, he says, I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. Real estate. He he was heavy into real estate. 
drinking and real estate. I also gathered for myself, verse 8, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 8, silver and gold. He, he got a lot of money. He said, I also got singers, men and women. He, he had his own choir. I mean, you know, he would put, his own, the, uh, put on these huge concerts and he was the audience. He said, and then I had many concubines, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 8, which were the delights of a man. Uh, 1 Kings 11 says how many concubines he had. He had 300 concubines. That's a harem. It also says he has 700 wives. Whoa. That's a thousand wives. And I took a moment to ponder that. (laughs) You could have one woman per night for three years and not have the same woman. You would forget the name of your first wife, I don't know, by the third month, (laughs) sixth month. You'd Three years later, what was your name? Oh, you're Miss October, right? Uh, No, I'm new here. (laughs) I don't know. It's crazy. But he, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and verse Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10 says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. Wow. Wine, gold, real estate, singers, music, sex, women, whatever his eyes desired. And then he says, and I considered it all. And here's the verse. Ecclesiastes, still in chapter 2, verse 17. And I hated life. (laughs) What? (laughs) You would think this is one happy guy. I hated life. That's Ecclesiastes 2.17. After he goes through this list... And he pondered that. How come that's not making me happy? And this is, this is what the, the Bible calls us to do and the Scripture calls us to do. Proverbs 4.26 Ponder the path of your feet so that all your ways are sure. Think about it. Is the direction I'm going going to truly produce a simple, satisfied, sanctified life, or is it just another empty path? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16 says, It's better to have just a little with the fear of the Lord than have great wealth and turmoil. The next one, Proverbs 15, verse 17, it's better to have a meal of vegetables with love 
prepared with love than a fatted calf that's steak served with hatred. I don't know, do you have enough money to go out and eat at the best steakhouse, but you're sitting across from an angry wife? Or is all you can afford Taco Bell, but at least you're happy together? See, which is rich? Which is durable? Which is happy? And what Scripture would tell us here is, make sure that you're counting your wealth in the right way. Ponder these things. Ponder the path of life. Some of you, right now, will 10 years from now be out of the financial struggles that you're dealing with. But you will look back on these days with nostalgia. I, I can remember uh, that how me and Jan struggled so much. Not so much now, but we used to struggle so much. <clears throat> and we would do little things to be together as a family. We'd go to the park. We, we would go to uh, Dairy Queen and sit on a car hood and not buy anything, just watch everybody else who bought stuff. <laughs> okay, my family didn't do that. I did that by myself. <clears throat> uh, so pondering these things. Here, here's a second thing, and that is pray for new desires. Pray for an illumined, enlightened mind. Say, God, I don't, I, I don't see. So uh, Psalm 119, verse 36. David said, Lord, incline my heart to your testimonies, not selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. What is worthless? Vain things. And give me life in your ways. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Our eyes are so fixated and focused on the unworthy that it takes a divine miracle to shift our focus. So we have to pray for it. God, turn my eyes away from this. And I'll tell you an example. Uh, I still look back on this with amazement, but uh, this was before we actually moved up here. I was pastoring in Texas. And... um, God was working in my life, and, and, but I was just, I, I was very superficial. At this point in, in my spiritual walk, and, and uh, the church had just built this new parsonage, and I was wanting to put new things in it. And I saw this eagle. Uh, it was like porcelain, and this was the 80s, and even then it was like $400. And it was so detailed, right down to its claws that were, it had it coming down and it was reaching. This piece of pottery or sculpture or something, I'm not sure exactly, but it was gorgeous. And I wanted that. And I did what I usually did at that time when God didn't provide the money. I pulled out my credit card and I bought it. And, it, and I set it up in the parsonage there so that people could see how we were finishing up the house. And God dealt with me about that. He said, I, I don't, 
I don't want you to be disobedient like this and preach obedience. And that is a struggle, to preach something I don't experience. And my conviction deepened to the point where he said, I want you to take this eagle and give it away. Even though I'm still paying on it. Give it away. So I gave it to my wife's sister and her husband and her four boys. <laughs> oh, man. I knew that eagle, eagle wasn't going to last long. They didn't appreciate that eagle like I did. I almost bowed to that eagle. That is so gorgeous. Oh, that's beautiful. Ah, swami. And just take that idol and give it away. It wasn't long until we went over and visited with them and I saw where they'd put the eagle in a rather vulnerable location and the, one of the legs had been knocked off of it. That's the end of that eagle. That's a dead eagle. <laughs> but how fixed on something that we can become until we must acquire it. And it can be the weirdest stuff. Maybe it's different for you than it is for me. But that's why he says, turn my eyes from looking and gazing on worthless things. They They won't be here in a few weeks. Pray for it. Here's a third thing we can do. And that is we can put money toward the eternal thing. Now that helps, and I'll tell you how it helps. Because usually you think, my money follows my desires. But in the spiritual realm, listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12, 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Now usually we think, Where your heart is, there your treasure is. But spiritually, if you want to change your direction, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, put your treasure somewhere, and your heart will follow it. (laughs) Amen? You will change your heart by, by changing the direction of your investment. Your heart will soon follow it. Put it toward God, put it toward His Word, put it toward the Gospel, put it toward eternity, put it toward souls, put it toward the church, and watch your heart. It'll, your heart will scream and bloody murder for a while, but it will catch up with that. So Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will find its way to. And then a fourth thing that we can do to make sure we invest in eternal things and permanent things, worthy things, is to worship on a regular basis. Worship on a regular basis. Because Here's the reason for this. We go all week long in our values and our moods and our emotions and our mind or thinking is molded by the world. It's, it's uh, externalized. And then you add conversations from well-meaning friends. Uh, I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but well-meaning friends don't always give you the best counsel. So, 
add conversations from well-meaning friends, the desires of our own flesh, and we can develop a kind of stupor, a blindness to truth, and we lose sight of reality. What worship does is bring us back to reality. This is what we're doing here today. It's a little bit of reality therapy. To think about our mortality, this you're in a dot. Don't live like it's a line. Live for the line. And John 4, 23, Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The two ways in which you worship. Spirit, that is inwardly, and truth, doctrinally. One is subjective, one is objective. One is spiritually, one is doctrinally. He brings truth to bear and he brings his presence to bear. So both of those are necessary in order for reality to take true shape and the stupor, the fog to lift that we've picked up all week long. Worship is an emotional and mental detox. Randy Alcorn recommends that we should take our families at least once to a local junkyard. And just look. You should have seen that car 20 years ago. Or you should see that car 20 years from now. Because they all end up there. Worship is a kind of vision, a reminder of where this is going to wind up 20 years from now. And it's bringing us back to an investment in that which is permanent and durable and eternal. Pastor Bill Hybels tells a story of a woman who in high school, high school near Chicago, uh, envied another girl who was a student in her high school. And she said, this girl bought all her clothes from Nordstrom, lived in a huge, lavish home, began driving a new Camaro Z28 when she turned 16. Her parents worked for an aeronautical company there near Chicago, and they put in long hours. She rarely saw them. Um, They tried to make up for their absence with summer house on the lake, condos in Hawaii, ski trips in Colorado. This little rich girl said, uh, or the, the girl who envied her said, I envied her all through high school. And one day just before graduation, we got together and were talking. And she said, I was shocked by what this little rich girl told me. She said to me, She envied me. I'm like, what? She said, I would trade all my exotic vacations, fancy cars, credit cards, in an instant to have a life like yours. Your mom is home. She cooks. She sews. You do things together. You eat together. Your dad is accessible. You have a faith. 
And she said, all I have is stuff. What you have, our money cannot buy. Huh. Proverbs 23, 17 says, Don't let your heart envy sinners. Continue in the fear of the Lord all day long, because surely there is a future. Surely there's a future. And your hope will not be cut off. There's a line that follows this dot. Let's live for that line and not the dot. All right, our band is going to come and play and sing. Lead us again one more time. We, we worship in spirit and in truth. We've heard truth. And now we return to worshiping in spirit. Subjective and objective. You're getting doses of reality today. Amen.